This is the Hot Take Podcast. We have a great show for you today, folks. My name is Stephen Taroni. Joined by me is Blake Sullivan. And we are going to get into your latest news. We have a couple big names in the news this week. And it's early February. We haven't even gotten over the Super Bowl yet, but we have huge news. We're going to get into a Dynasty mock draft tonight. A Dynasty startup mock. Um, because it is dynasty season after all. Blake, you pumped for tonight? Absolutely. It's going to be kind of fun. This is the first thing we're doing this offseason, uh, starting up one of these drafts, dynasty startup. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We've got some good guys that are going to be drafting against us. I'm kind of interested to see where some of these guys are going to fall. Uh, this doesn't have rookies in it yet, so things could be a little bit different down the road this fall, but I think that's kind of – uh, a good benchmark to see what happens tonight and how that changes as we go through the summer. You know, those ADPs will change a ton over the summer uh, as, you know, potential people get traded as we're going to get into here in a bit. And as people sign places, uh, you get some free agency stuff going on later this summer it really changes things. So it uh, could be interesting. Yeah, most definitely. We have a Tom Ozia on the show tonight. He's going to be drafting with us on the hot take. And then we have Kyle Richardson. Uh, We have Coach X, Xavier Wagner. Who else is going to be drafting with us tonight, Blake? Uh, Yeah, we got some good guys. We got Jeff Lambert's also going to be on here. Uh, Yeah, you you hit up everybody else there. And we also got uh, James Kudelis on tonight. So it's going to be good, good one to listen to. Going to be a lot of good picks tonight. Yeah, uh, the most two interesting picks – that I'm going to be looking out for are the two names that we're going to lead off here with. And it's Kareem Hunt, who was signed by the Cleveland Browns. So the Cleveland Browns are back in the business of being controversial. Uh, you know, it couldn't, they couldn't go too long without that. You know, if everything could just stay smooth sailing for them, you know, no drama. I, I just don't see that ever happening for this Cleveland Browns organization. So they signed Kareem Hunt to, uh, a $1 million contract, so not really costing them a lot. Um, at first, I think the speculation was, wow, you know, from an ethical perspective, this is very risky um, for, for the Browns. And, you know, from a football perspective, it seems risky too. But I'm kind of liking this from a football perspective. How are you feeling overall on this signing? Yeah, I think they're kind of just playing a numbers game with it. Obviously, there is video evidence of the whole incident, so you can't dispute it. But if you look at the NFL's history, uh, if you play the numbers, the amount of people that have done something similar and the amount of people that were banned for more than one season, it definitely looks like it could be a good investment for the Cleveland Browns. If he could come back maybe this season or even in seasons to come, he's still very young. You look at the first two seasons he had, great seasons. Uh, definitely something that, you know, when they're building around young receivers and a young quarterback with Baker Mayfield there in Cleveland and an up-and-coming defense, you know, if you add in a stud running back like that to go along with Nick Chubb, definitely a great investment if it pans out. Yeah, so John Dorsey's goal was to sign Kareem Hunt before this investigation process in which, you know, Kareem Hunt will be suspended. So, He's going to be suspended pretty soon here. That's the next news we're going to hear on Hunt, is that he will be suspended. Now, 
so when you look at it that way and assume that he might not even play in 2018, you're like, well, what are you doing, Browns? You know, this makes no sense. You're throwing away money. But what I love about this from a football perspective is that after the season, and he, you know, let's say he suspended six games, then he gets some playing time in the season and big, big time moments for this Cleveland Browns team that should improve. But if he doesn't play, he's a restricted free agent. That means the Browns will have the first crack at him, um, where a lot of teams most likely are going to be in the running for Kareem Hunt. They'll have, you know, play, uh, teams will have to match their offers. So I love that from, from this side of things. John Dorsey, of course, drafted Kareem Hunt uh, in 2017. So I, I think there was um, definitely, you know, a want to sign Kareem before anyone else could. The deal could be worth more than $1 million, depending, I guess, on if he plays. Maybe there's some sort of thing in his contract where he actually has to play a certain amount of games. That would make sense to me. But there's, there's, they're not, there's not a lot of risk here besides, you know, from an ethical perspective, of course, like should have even been signed in the first place. But from a talent perspective, you got to love it. From a Nick Chubb owner in Dynasty perspective, it's a little conflicting. Now, there is speculation, Blake, that they might actually want to trade Hunt after this season. I'm not sure if you've heard anything about that. Do you think that they're going to want to keep him, or do you think they're going to trade him after 2018? I don't really see them trading him because – Let's say he does uh, have the whole season off. I don't think anyone's going to want to go after a running back that's sat for that long. I know we talked a lot about David Johnson, you know, being, quote, fresh coming into that next season. But when you're gone for a whole year due to a suspension, I think that's a little bit different than because of an injury. Uh, But definitely, I mean, there's some trade value there. And I personally would want to trade for him because I think I could get him somewhat cheap. Uh, But – I don't see the Browns wanting to trade him. If they could have a two-headed running game, uh, and if something did happen to Nick Chubb where he got injured to have Hunt there as well, uh, regardless of which one of those guys is the the main workhorse, definitely think having Hunt's going to change things up. You'd have a good receiving back, uh, something that would be really fun to watch with Baker Mayfield. And like I said, for what they would get back, I think they'd be better off to just hang on to him and with him being a restricted free agent, they might be able to get him cheaper because I don't know how many other people uh, are going to want to make a big offer to a guy like that that's carrying so much controversy. Right, especially if he does sit out the entire season. Uh, there will be risk, of course. Um, you know, I, I, I like this deal uh, from the perspective of, look, the Browns, you know, they'll have him on the contract, and if anyone wants to, you know, they'll at least be able to test the market. You know, even if their, their goal is to keep him, you know, they can negotiate with him, but they can also, they can also listen to offers. You know, they'll have that luxury, especially um, if Nick Chubb is who we think he is and has a great 2018. But like you said, you know, what if Chubb got, gets injured? You know, what if Chubb doesn't pan out? You know, we've seen players have great, you know, uh, campaigns and then end up not doing anything. You know, if we remember Jeremy Hill having a great second half of the year, once he got playing time for the Bengals, you know, look at him now. So you never know uh, to have an insurance policy like this with a cream hunt, I, I think is pretty awesome for the Browns, not even getting into anything ethical like that. Um, but speaking of, you know, just questionable uh, players in the NFL right now, Antonio Brown, I, it, 
he's like he's trying to be the new post Malone or something. I don't know what's going on with him. He's got the blue braids going right now. I mean, he's like having like a midlife crisis here, and he has officially requested a trade. He put out that video, you know, that now I do what I want. By the way, Russell Westbrook was the first to do this. So, A.B., you're a little behind on that. I mean, when KD got traded uh, or when he signed with the, uh, with the, uh, the Warriors, as soon as he signed, Westbrook put up a video of him driving in the car with a Now I Do What I Want by Lil Uzi Vert. Uh, so, a little behind on that, A.B., but... I, got, I do respect it. I know it's probably time. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger's at the end of his career. You got Juju Smith-Schuster getting a lot of targets. It kind of makes sense when you look at it from that perspective. But Blake, he's still got three years left on his contract, and the Steelers don't have to do anything. What is your take on this, and do you think that A.B. is going to be traded ultimately? I, I just really don't know. You know, it's kind of a struggle for me to – to know what they're going to want to do as an organization. We saw how they've handled Le'Veon Bell. They've said, no, you know, we're going to do it our way. We're not giving in to you. Uh, But at the end of the day, when you've got a player with three years of a deal left, are you really going to want that kind of guy bringing a negative energy week in, week out in your locker room? Uh, If he's not happy, he's probably not going to want to be playing hard for you and trying to win football games. Uh, doing the extra effort stuff that he does all the time. And, yeah, I mean, we've seen issues with uh, between him and Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, and then if James Conner comes back next year as the main guy and is a workhorse like we saw that he could be this year, you might see those targets dwindle even more with Antonio Brown. And after his contract, when he's going to be a f- uh, free agent in 2022, he's only going to be 34. So there's still going to be some value for him out there on the market. If, if he doesn't get targets for these next three years, that might show up in free agency that people might think he's not worth as much as he is. Uh, and maybe that'll hurt his long-term value. So I think he wants out now at a good time to get out when he can go to another team and show what he's capable of for, you know, put up another two or three great years and get another big contract going later into his career. Um, he's, shown, he's shown interest in going to the 49ers. Uh, it could be a great fit if they have the right package just into the Steelers. And definitely the Steelers are going to get more out of Antonio Brown now than if they decide to trade him in his last year of his deal or two years of his deal left because he's going to be a younger player with less miles on him. Uh, so if they want to do it, now is the time. But I, I just don't know how willing they are to get rid of him. Yeah, uh, I don't know either. I don't think that they're going to be in a rush to trade him. Uh, One interesting thing that I heard is that March 17th marks a date. Ian Rappaport uh, said this. I saw it on Twitter that March 17th, the Steelers will owe Antonio Brown a $2.5 million roster bonus that, you know, that they can't get that back. So if they want to trade him, it seems as if they might as well do it before then. But, of course, that only gives them, you know, a little bit more than a month. Uh, maybe that's enough time to get some suitors. Um, I think it is. And I think it would be pretty silly to just throw him 2.5 mil and, and then trade him. Uh, that, would be, that would be like an ideal scenario for Antonio Brown. Uh, but, you know, like from a player's perspective, I really see it from Antonio Brown's perspective. I think that something's going on with him right now where, you know, he's just ha- – like, you know, what he was uh, – 
he was on that show, what, The Masked Singer or whatever? Did you see that? Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, okay. I've, seen the, I've seen the commercials for it, but I didn't know he was on there. He was one of the masked singers. Like, he was behind the mask. It was actually Antonio Brown. <laughs> like, so I, it, who knows what's going on with this guy right now? I think that he is just trying to expand his his brand a, as a celebrity. He's done a lot in his in his you know career. He's won a Super Bowl. He's gonna go down as one of the best receivers of all time. And you know, I was actually talking about this today, Blake. I would have him in the top five as far as receivers go all time so the man has had you know a body of work in his career I see from a football perspective how you know Juju coming in and Ben Roethlisberger at the end and then of course you have the Le'Veon Bell situation that I think rubbed him the wrong way um, I think it's time I think it's time for for him to move on I think it's time for you know the Steelers because they you know they trade him and they get a couple draft picks they have Juju. They have James Conner. Their defense, you know, actually, you know, looked decent at times last year compared to in years past. They'll be okay from a football perspective. Yeah, and it's kind of an interesting time, I think, for this whole deal to happen. Uh, you're going to be going into the draft season soon. So if a team is willing to get Antonio Brown, they've probably done all their research on these rookies now to where they're comfortable knowing what they're giving up in the way of draft picks to get Antonio Brown. And then on the other side of that, the Steelers know what they would need uh, in draft picks, because I don't see the Steelers organization saying, okay, we're trading Antonio Brown. Uh, we're going to get some future picks for the, you know, the next two or three years uh, so that we can make a quick turnaround and be a, a contender again. And uh, they're going to want to contend this year, regardless of if they have Brown or not. So they're going to be wanting to get a lot of draft picks for this season uh, so that's definitely one thing that's going to really play into it is which team can offer them the best draft package. Most definitely. Yeah, I, I think the Raiders are in line to try and get Antonio Brown. Um, if they can somehow turn, you know, trading Khalil Mack into getting Antonio Brown, that, that would be a very interesting thing for sure. Uh, you know, and then they could also – draft the receiver too, uh, you know, like a DK Metcalf or something like that, and then have Antonio Brown and DK with your boy Jordy. Uh, so the Raiders, to me, seem like they're in play. Uh, the 49ers, of course. Um, I think from a fantasy perspective, I would love Antonio Brown on the Colts. I think that would be my favorite uh, destination for him. Um, and Le'Veon Bell. What, if, if, if the Colts got Le'Veon <laughs> and, and? They're going to rejoin together? They could. They could do that in Oakland, too. They, they could do that. <laughs> That's nasty, man. I mean, you know, hypothetically, they could do it on the Jets. Like, you know, they, they could certainly do that if they wanted to. Um, and I don't think that's out of the question. You know, I, it, I'm I saw, just waiting for the Packers to trade, you know, do, do something crazy as they never do. Go get Antonio Brown, have him and Adams with Aaron Rodgers. That would be history in the making. Oh, most definitely. I, I mean – but would you – you would obviously love that as a Packers fan, no questions asked. But what would that do for Devontae Adams? I mean, that would, that would bump him yeah. down. Yes, obviously, yeah, that would hurt a lot. Uh, I think he'd still have big games, but it would hurt his consistency a lot, which is – yeah, that's important. When you got a guy that you can get 60 or 70 yards and a touchdown guaranteed every night and then have 100 and 150-yard games throw, like sprinkled in there, I mean – yeah, 
that that would be huge having Antonio Brown there, but it would definitely hurt Adams' value. Real quick, I said today, uh, talking to one of my friends in the group chat, I said today that Antonio Brown for me is third all time. So I have Rice, of course, number one, and then Moss, two. And then I got Antonio Brown, three, and T.O., four. Uh, do you have Antonio Brown anywhere near there? And if not, who's the best receiver you've ever seen play the game? I think I would probably do the list the same, um, except I think I would probably – move T.O. to five and put in Calvin Johnson at four. Interesting. Wow. I, I just look at, you know, his numbers probably aren't there, but as, as far as talent-wise and potential, I definitely think he – Calvin Johnson could have been a, a top two or top three easily, but you look at his career being so short. No, when I look at Calvin Johnson, you know, it's very similar to Barry Sanders, right? Because for me, Barry Sanders is the best running back I ever saw. Um, and I, I would say that he's the best of all time. Uh, you know, and it's really hard to say that because he didn't win a Super Bowl, obviously, and he had a short career. But it's this kind of the same thing with Calvin Johnson. When Johnson was playing, he was without question the best in the league. And, you know, he was playing with Antonio Brown in the league. He was playing with Julio Jones in the NFL. So it's like, you know, and he, he, we weren't even, we were talking about Calvin Johnson as the clear cut best receiver in, in the NFL. So I'm with you on Calvin Johnson. Wow. The top five all time, though, huh? That's tough. I mean, the, you know, the stats and, you know, no rings, but the, the stats were there even for what, the, the eight years that he played? Right. I think if you're, if, you know, us quote experts are talking about it, there's going to be very few people that put Calvin Johnson in the top five. Right. Uh, but the, there's just a huge asterisk with it is why. Because he could have had six or seven more seasons. And if he put up half the numbers that he was putting up at, at, right. at that pace, he would have had a ridiculous career. I mean, he already did, but, yeah. but man, it's just crazy to think about what he could have been. Yeah, definitely. And I think that there's that, that gray area of, like, no, like, this is who I think is one of the best players of all time. Throw stats out the window. Because, you know, like when I look at Randy Moss, it's tough to put, you know, Randy Moss ahead of so many guys that have won Super Bowls. Like you could say Michael Irvin won three Super Bowls. Well, he should be argued, arguably one of the best of all time and above Randy Moss. But, you know, for me, it was like looking at Randy Moss coming into his rookie year and scoring like 16 touchdowns, just being like that good where you step in day one and you're already one of the best in the game. I think there's something to be said for that. Um, Calvin Johnson, you can't, you can't argue the talent. All right, I'm pumped for this draft, man. Uh, we got Aiton Mosia coming in uh, pretty soon here. We are going to get the show on the road with our Dynasty Startup Mock Draft. I'm first pick, baby. Let's get it. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, we got Aton Mozia in here. We're going to start the draft pretty shortly. Going to get into this dynasty mock. Aton, I got to get your, your take here because we were just talking about Kareem Hunt, talking about AB. Obviously, AB's got three years left on his contract. 
I saw one interesting thing. March 17th is going to be like a little landmark day that the Steelers actually owe him a roster bonus of 2.5 mil. So it seems like they would try to get him out before then if they're going to do so. What's your take overall on AB and if he's going to be a Steeler next year? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, This is actually uh, really kind of what we see in basketball. It's not often that you see people actually being or trying to force uh, their team to trade them in the NFL. It's just not something that we see very often. And of course, when talking about Antonio Brown, uh, he's a legendary receiver at this point. I mean, the last five seasons, I think he's finished no worse than wide receiver five, and he's finished wide receiver one, two or three of those seasons. So, I mean, that's, you really don't have to go on too much about AB. Um, in terms of whether or not I believe the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to trade him, actually execute that trade, I don't know. Um, I, I I tend to disagree that they'll actually uh, grant AB his request, and uh, it's, it's really a money thing. I mean, Antonio Brown is 31 years old, so just in terms of being past the age apex at the wide receiver position, we know, or at least we've seen, uh, for most people, AB might be excluded from this list, but you never really know until it happens. He's kind of at the age where he should be declining. Um, <clears throat> last season, we saw uh, some efficiency metrics that we aren't used to seeing from Antonio Brown. Uh, a lot of his points were actually scored by touchdowns. His 15 touchdowns, cap, career high. Exactly, exactly. His dead cap uh, for the uh, 2019 season is actually 21 million compared to a cap hit of only 22 million. So in most scenarios when a team decides, okay, it's, it's ready to move on from a player, at least they're going to get some type of salary cap relief for, Antonio, for that player. In Antonio Brown's case, they wouldn't. Uh, even next season, uh, they would really only save $4 million, uh, as his dead cap is still $14 million for next season. So I don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to trade Antonio Brown. Uh, but if they do, look out for James Conner. Awesome. So with the first pick, Blake, talk me through Saquon real quick. Yeah, so I had to go ahead and take Saquon Barkley with the first pick in this dynasty startup. Uh, You know, just looking at his age is a big thing, and the success he's had early has just been uh, mind-boggling. You knew he was going to have a huge year, but I was a little bit concerned with that Giants offense if he would really be able to get things going. But absolutely love Saquon, and, you know, he's a freak athlete. I'm really looking forward to the next couple years of Saquon Barkley. Yeah, Saquon, no-brainer for one overall. Um, and then uh, D-Hop goes second, uh, which is pretty controversial. I mean, you know, like, obviously, I think that uh, he's he's in the running for wide receiver one uh, in the dynasty. And then Patrick Mahomes off the board at 103. Todd Gurley, 104. So Mahomes, I think that's something you're going to see this year is he's going to be not getting out of the first round. You're going to see a ton of it. I don't know that I agree with it. You know, I love Patrick Mahomes, man. Came up with a nickname for him. We both loved him this last summer. But I just don't know that there's enough value there above other guys. Uh, Like Aaron Rodgers had a down year this season. You're going to be able to get him super late in drafts. Uh, You know, Tom Brady could still have a good year next year. You're going to be able to get him late in drafts. I don't know that there's enough of a drop-off in the quarterbacks to take somebody third like this. But, uh, you know, this is dynasty. you got to keep that in mind. So 
some of these guys aren't going to be taken uh, really early. Some of those older quarterbacks, you might be able to get value late. Yeah, um, I, I agree with the Patrick Mahomes take. I mean, I think that you really do kind of need to reach for him because unlike most quarterbacks out there, uh, he seems to be the one quarterback actually worth uh, that first-round pick. And it really has little to do with him. It's just his situation. Uh, he's surrounded by talent. He has an excellent tight end in Travis Kelsey. He has an excellent wide receiver in Tyree Hill. Um, and it's definitely an offensive team with a great offensive line. So I have no issues uh, with finding Patrick Mahomes in the first. Okay, so we got Zeke Elliott is going in at the fifth overall pick. I absolutely love that value. Uh, if I hadn't taken Saquon, I think I probably would have taken Zeke at that number one spot. So getting him at the fifth spot is huge. Yeah, Zeke is actually my, uh, my second running back off the board. Um, you know, everything that happened with Todd Gurley at the end of the season, he's obviously injured. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, but just in terms of uh, if you have to you kind of heads up, go Zeke or Gurley, I think the impact of both of them is, is relatively equal. I think Todd Gurley uh, averages about five more half-point PPR games or half-point PPR points per game uh, than Zeke. Uh, but Zeke doesn't necessarily have to deal with the injury issues that Todd Gurley has had to deal with throughout his career and in college. So I really do think Zeke um, is a great value at that fifth pick. I'm actually going to uh, move on now. I'm going to make my pick, and this is just a guy that I've never owned that I've always wanted to. Um, all the things uh, that are happening in Carolina, uh, all the, the, the worry about Cam Newton's shoulder, None of that really matters to Christian McCaffrey, and that's why I think it's a no-brainer pick uh, to get Christian McCaffrey uh, at the sixth spot. CMC is basically the wide receiver one on that team. If a new quarterback comes in, you have to assume that that quarterback is going to do a lot of dump-off passes just to kind of ease the pressure off of them, Um, and the person to catch all of those is going to be Christian McCaffrey. So if you can get him, uh, you you definitely – don't feel bad reaching for a guy like Christian McCaffrey. He'd probably be just behind that. Uh, Todd Gurley, uh, Ezekiel Elliott's here for me. Uh, It's arguable that you could choose him, of course, before Kamara. I was right there with you, Eitan. I was going to go CMC or Zeke. It, It For me, it was Zeke. And a big factor there was the target share that he saw this season, was the 77 receptions that we saw this season from Ezekiel Elliott, it gives me a lot of confidence for him. But, uh, you know, if his reception total, it seemed like it was never going to get past that, like 55, 60, I might have gone CMC there in in a half-point PPR dynasty draft. How about this? Our boy Kyle just made a great pick. At the 1.7, we have Odell Beckham. But Kyle, at the eighth pick, gets Devontae Adams. I absolutely love that for dynasty startup. Michael Thomas goes 1.9. Alvin Kamara at 1.10. And then Joe Mixon at 1.11. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel on Joe Mixon. I really love Joe Mixon, but this last season was kind of scary for me to, you know, if I was one of those dynasty owners, that's, I might have been getting off of the ship and trying to get anything I could for him. Why do you say that? I just got a little bit worried with the injuries I was seeing and the usage in the offense. Uh, some games it would be really good usage, and then other games it just seemed like it wouldn't go anywhere. I just think that was part of the Bengals offense not being very successful this season. But at uh, the beginning of the year, we had such such high hopes for him. I think maybe some of that was just that I felt let down. Um, but it's definitely an interesting pick. 
uh, taking him before Melvin Gordon, who went to Jeff Lambert at 1.12. And then at the turn, he also got Nick Chubb. So he got two really good running backs there at the turn. Oh, I love that. So then Mike Evans goes to the 2.2. And we got Xavier back up on the clock. He gets Tyreek Hill at the 2.3. I think Tyreek's still got a bright future ahead of him. I I worry a little bit about the guys that are – you know, more of a speed players, but Tyreek's really developed his hands lately. Uh, he's gotten to be a better route runner. So I think he is still going to be a really solid pick, especially with Patrick Mahomes moving forward. You know what you have there. Mike and I, we're, uh, we're getting to that, that level. We might actually have to throw hands about Tyreek Hill because, I mean, for me, uh, Tyreek Hill is in the top three of the wide receivers, especially in a dynasty conversation. First of all, he is uh, the youngest of those top tier wide receivers. Uh, we've already spoken about uh, the fact that uh, Tyreek Hill is on an offense that is just conducive to being in the red zone a lot, to, to scoring lots and lots of points. The one issue that people had or people generally have with deep ball receivers, deep threats, is they don't get the volume to really make you feel comfortable about playing them. But that's not the case with Tyreek Hill. Uh, he's getting that volume as well because he is that team's wide receiver one uh, and the target number two after Travis Kelsey on that team pretty much day in, day out. He kind of took that uh, job uh, and kind of completely wrested uh, it away from Sammy Watkins. So I think moving forward, you really have to start to give Tyreek Hill his, his due. He was a wide receiver one last year. This year in half-point PPR leagues, I believe, combined, uh, he was the wide receiver one, not just a wide receiver one. Um, and the only thing, thing that you can take away from Tyreek Hill is maybe you have some of those bad games, but there's just not very many players in the league that can win you uh, a week game in, game out, and Tyreek Hill is one of those guys that can do that. By the way, am I crazy, or is the 2.4 for Juju Smith-Schuster just way too uh, low? Like, I would draft him over Michael Thomas. I would draft him over Joe Mixon right now. Yeah, see, I, I think there's some there's some good value. I mean, obviously, we just talked about if Antonio Brown leaves, uh, you know, in a way that could almost hurt Juju. If you look at the volume he was already getting with Brown, yeah, he might get some more volume, but he's going to drop more double teams and stuff if Brown is to leave uh, in Pittsburgh. So maybe that's affecting his ADP a little bit. I don't know, but I would have him over Mike Evans and Joe Mixon and. Uh, you know, maybe even Odell, there's starting to be some some wonder of what's the quarterback situation going to be like in New York before long. Uh, so definitely, I could see Juju being a lot higher. He's almost a whole round later than Odell at this point. Uh, I mean, and then Julio, ideally, ideally, he would have slipped to me. Like, that's who I wanted in the second round. That's who I'm, like, targeting everywhere. Um, you know, I, I just think that Juju at 2.4 – um, Mike Evans at 2.2. I, I would go Juju over Mike Evans for sure. Um, I love Nick Chubb at that 2.1. Um, and then Aton, you are back up at that 2.7 spot. Run me through your mindset right now. Uh, right now at 2.7 already with, uh, with uh, Christian McCaffrey on the board. I think I, I have to go wide receiver here. Yes. And for me in the second round, uh, wide receiver that I would probably want uh, would be Amari Cooper. And that's just because, uh, again, he's on a team uh, that sees him as that number one target, uh, that sees him as a guy that they're going to feed volume to 
uh, kind of regardless of what the game script is or what the situation is. So as long as he can get volume, we've seen Amari Cooper be very, very effective. And he's still only 24 years old. I think people really rubbed the wrong way with Amari Cooper uh, when he was on Oakland just because he was underutilized uh, this last season. But when you give Amari Cooper volume, he still is one of the league's best receivers, in my opinion. Yeah, that, no, that's that's a good pick there. Um, obviously, you got Antonio Brown on the board. You got Keenan Allen. Um, but Amari Cooper, the age factored in, the number one wide receiver factored in. Um, I think it's a smart pick when you look at it from that perspective because I think that it's tough to get Amari Cooper over some of these guys. But the age factored in to Amari Cooper right now, plus what we saw with the Dallas Cowboys, I think we saw a little taste of what's to come with Amari Cooper. Um, I'm actually, you know, I, this is going to be a little controversial here, but um, I'm going my guy Travis Kelsey. I don't think he's going to make it back to the third round. Um, I definitely am taking a risk here. Yeah, I think it could be considered controversial, but when you're looking at a dynasty startup, you're going to get somebody that's, you know, guaranteed pretty much to get you points uh, year in and year out. I think it's a really safe pick and he's going to have a huge trade value if, uh, if you have a good start to your season, uh, somebody might want to trade for him. And, and I, th- I think that could be really big for you. Eitan, 2.8, Travis Kelsey. What are your thoughts there? I don't know if I would go in the second round for Travis Kelsey, and that's just because George Kittle is still on the board. Um, and I kind of see those as similar assets uh, just because of the minimal, admittedly, but it still exists, the age difference between the two. I believe Travis Kelsey is 28. I think he'll be 29 next year. Uh, I think George Kittle's 25 years old. And though the peak for tight ends isn't really until around Travis Kelsey, yeah, Travis Kelsey's 28-year-old age, um, the fact that we've seen it so early from Kittle, the fact that uh, there are no other real big targets to kind of take anything away from from Kittle's production makes me think that as long as both of them are on the board, uh, you can kind of wait it out a little bit more. But, I mean, like – Blake was saying it's one of those things that <laughs> you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't it's not like it's a bad pick uh he is the te one uh so you you definitely uh solidified a position group uh, with that pick kittle's a beast uh yeah there's no denying that um so after travis kelsey 2.9 goes dalvin cook uh i'm not a huge fan of dalvin cook but i can definitely see where the upside is then we go 210 james connor Definitely could be a little bit risky there as a dynasty startup, but there is a huge upside as well if he does get the volume there uh, in Pittsburgh. And then David Johnson uh, goes at 211. He's still got a huge upside. He's uh, still young. He's only got a couple seasons under him. People are kind of freaking out. So you might have got a good value there at 211. Then it comes back to me, 212. I'm snagging Antonio Brown. Uh, obviously this is dynasty. He's an older receiver, but I'm very confident. I'm going to get three or four really good years out of him. So I love that pick. And then you guys talked me into it. I'm going to wrap back around. It's a three, one and grab George Kittle. I think it's a little bit early for tight ends, but I just love having somebody that's going to put up 10 to 15 points every week for you. And you know, you're going to get that for a couple of years. Well, you know, and it's arguable that he wouldn't even make it back to you. So if you if you want him, and that, that's the only time that you're going to be able to get him potentially. Um, yeah, he wouldn't have. I would have taken him. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so at 3.2, auto picks Keenan Allen. 
Uh, I definitely think that's a, that's a decent value, but you got to still wonder Sony, about the injuries. Sony swiped off the board at 3.3, and I'm at 3.5 here. That's who I was going for. Good for pick sure. by James. What's that? It's a good pick by James. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's solid. Sony is um, – yeah. Uh, he, he's, Especially he's, in a dynasty he's, startup. He's got such a bright future ahead of him. Oh, my God. Now, even in redraft, I would, I'd still be taking him in there. Le'Veon Bell's on the board. I'm going to go Le'Veon Bell at the 3.5. I like that pick. That's a good pick. We don't know where he's going to be or what he's going to be doing next season, but <laughs> I take the risk for Le'Veon Bell at the third round every time. I really debated going with Le'Veon Bell uh, and Antonio Brown there at that turn, but I decided not to. I tried to even out my team. I went running back, wide receiver, tight end. Uh, but Le'Veon Bell, if you can get him in the third round this year, if you're doing a dynasty startup, I absolutely love it. Yeah, so the third round so far, uh, we got George Kittle, uh, Keenan Allen, Sony Michelle, on Johnson at 3.4, Le'Veon Bell 3.5, Aton is up at the 3.6. And I think the pick right now is actually between two guys. Uh, if I guess you are planning on uh, kind of being a compete immediately team, uh, then the pick right here needs to be A.J. Green, uh, just because Again, that's a concentrated offense. He really only has Tyler Boyd to battle with targets. Joe Mixon sometimes gets involved in the passing game. Um, but that team can't seem to, to have a healthy, decent tight end. Uh, even if they draft one, it's going to take a few years for that tight end to develop. Uh, if they sign somebody like Demetrius Harris, then this is another conversation. Uh, but for right now, I think that you need to definitely take A.J. Green if – uh, you are trying to compete that year. If you are looking in a purely dynasty uh, perspective, uh, just looking at what the value is, I think you'd have to go Kenny Galladay. Uh, and I think that's just because uh, he's definitely going to be moving to that Z receiver spot this year, uh, or to that X receiver spot this year. He played mostly Z uh, last year. Uh, and he's going to be that team's wide receiver one. Marvin Jones is going to come back, and that should only ease pressure off of Kenny Galladay. So, um, I do think that both of those guys are, are definitely what, what you want to pick at that point. Yeah, I'm with you, Aton. Uh, I probably would have gone Kenny G over A.J. Green. I'm looking at Kenny Galde, hoping he falls to me. I don't think he will. I'm receiverless right now with Zeke, Le'Veon, and Travis Kelsey. So uh, Kenny Galladay as my wide receiver one would be nice. Um, it's getting slim pickings over here for the wide receiver real quick. And this is why I draft wide receiver heavy usually, but I'm going a different route right now. Adam Thielen is off the board. Aaron Jones, great pick at 311, of course. And then we are on the turn here. Blake, looking at the board right now, um, are you okay with your picks? I mean, obviously, like we still have a lot of quarterbacks on the board. The quarterback run hasn't hit yet. How are you feeling about your team so far? Yeah, I'm actually really liking it. Uh, I'm not too worried about this quarterback run just yet, but – Definitely being on the turn in a dynasty startup is kind of cause for concern. If that run happens to hit just after your pick and you have a full 24 picks until it gets back to you, it's definitely something to worry about because you could lose a lot of good quarterbacks in there with you know guys like Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck at the top of this list here uh, based off of the ADP. Uh, you know, this could be this could be a cause for concern later on in the draft, but I think I'm going to let it go one more round and push my luck a little bit. Yeah, Aton. I mean, you know, uh, as far as dynasty, I mean, it's got to be a healthy mix of win planning. You know, especially a startup, right? You got plan to win now, but you also have to plan for the future. So it has to be a healthy mix. 
Absolutely. Kenny Galladay off the board at that 4.1. So this is going to get interesting now. I'm kind of putting myself in a hole, and we'll see how my wide receiver core looks and when it's all said and done coming out of the, the fifth spot. So Andrew Luck goes off the board, and that's an interesting pick. So Andrew Luck before Deshaun Watson, I think that would be like the, uh, the typical, you know, QB2. You know, if we're not going for Aaron Rodgers here, it's probably going to be Deshaun Watson or, you know, maybe even a Baker Mayfield. But Andrew Luck goes off the board here. Um, and now, Aton, it's back to you at the 4.7. If you've heard me speak anywhere for any length of time, <laughs> you've heard me just espouse my praises for this player uh, right here. Uh, the pick for me is Cooper Cup. And uh, I understand the ACL injury. I, you know, understand that maybe he's not the most athletic guy in the world. I get it, but I'm always, always, always looking at the entire team and looking how that team uses him. Uh, the splits with Jared Goff before and after uh, Cooper Cup's injury are jarring. Uh, that pretty much just shows how integral he is to that offense. Everything flows through uh, him because he's able to be an extension of that running game and really uh, work that slot receiver role in those 11 personnel sets that the Rams use. In the Super Bowl, the Rams were stopped uh, constantly because Robert Woods uh, was getting chipped the line on end arounds and not necessarily able to hold his blocks like Cooper Cup had been at that third receiver inside position uh, for most of the season, nothing against Robert Woods, uh, but they're different players. Uh, Cooper Cup size allows him to be an effective blocker, which essentially replaces a TE on that team. And as long as that is uh, going to be how he's utilized, uh, you're going to want any receiver in that Rams offense. So uh, I'm going to go with my favorite of the bunch, Cooper Cup, but you, you're not wrong going with uh, any of those three guys. I was going to grab Cooper Cup at the turn if I got a chance. That's a great pick there. I'm going to go Jarvis Landry here, um, and he's going to be my wide receiver one, which I'm not, you know, absolutely thrilled about. Um, it was between him, Allen Robinson, um, Calvin Ridley, Corey Davis. You know, there are definitely guys to consider here, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to targets with Jarvis Landry. Um, I think that, you know, having a guy like Baker Mayfield improve steadily, um, yeah, I, I like having Jarvis on my team here. There goes Deshaun Watson right after you at the 4.9. Uh, this quarterback run could be coming up pretty soon, uh, making me get a little bit nervous. I might have to take a quarterback at the turn here. We'll see. Oh, I'm not flinching. <laughs> I don't want to. But, you know, I'm holding out for Kyler Murray at the end, but obviously this draft doesn't have rookies in it, but Kyler Murray's definitely somebody I'm wanting. Uh, yeah, so you know, it's a chance. It's definitely interesting. Eitan, do you prefer to do these startups after, you know, the rookies are, are all set on the teams, or do you, do you prefer to do it, like, at this time of the year? I absolutely prefer to do it when I have the rookie information on these teams because so much of my analysis is based on the team, the team in its entirety and how the depth charts look. So who's getting replaced, who's not getting replaced, who's seeing new competition, those are all things that I, I really weight heavily in – my evaluation of a dynasty prospect. So definitely later on, but I mean, there's so many people that are just excited right now because football just ended and yep. they want, you know, something to do. So, so here we go with all these really, really early mocks. Yeah. So then Marlon Mack goes off at the four eleven, brings it to me at four twelve. I still have to decide what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, you know, this is kind of an interesting spot for me because I've got one running back, one wide receiver and one tight end. 
obviously I don't want to fall too far behind on running backs, but there's still some good value out here. Uh, like Devonte Freeman's still on the board and obviously he's injured, but you know, he could come back and have a great season next year. Tevin Coleman's down there as well. Uh, we don't know what's going to be going on with him just yet. Aaron Rodgers is on the board, always tempting. I think I'm going to go with Tariq Cohen. Uh, I think he just has such a huge upside moving forward in that Bears offense. You see that he's just become a mainstay in that offense. So definitely have to stay with him, I think. You know, and then things start to really get interesting for me. Do I take a guy like Calvin Ridley uh, or Cortland Sutton, or do I want to go further down here for uh, a little more established guy? maybe take an Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, I really don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be like in Atlanta in the next couple of years, but really like what I saw out of Calvin Ridley this year. So I'm going to go ahead and take him because uh, I did call him trying to make the jump over Julio Jones in that offense. Definitely was a hot take and it didn't follow fall through. <laughs> not yet. But, uh, not, not quite but, yet. But, but maybe next season or the season after or the season after that, it'll happen eventually. Yeah, Julio Jones, uh, 1,677 yards this season. Unbelievable year for Julio Jones. He's uh, got to retire sometime. <laughs> okay, so then DJ Moore at 5'2", Cortland Sutton at 5'3". That's a pretty good pick at 5'3". Uh, then Alshon Jeffrey. So those are the other two receivers that I talked about a little bit there that they go right after. And that brings up Steve to 5'5". Five, five. Yeah, I'm really happy my guy's still on the board here at the 5'5". Five, five. It's Allen Robinson, no questions asked. Um, I love how he ended the year with the Bears. Um, it seems like uh, Trubisky was really finding his number one target towards the end of the season, especially in that playoff game. So Allen Robinson, for me, is no-brainer. He's going to be 26 in August. Yeah, but Allen Robinson, I'm happy he's there. Like, everyone else on this board right now um, is definitely more of like, you know, you're building for the future right now. All right, so five six, I have – a running back. I have three receivers. I really do desperately need another running back at this point, but I really don't like anybody on the board. Uh, if there was one that I guess that I could choose, it would just have to be Chris Carson. And that's just because he has a hold of that job. Um, Seattle's already shown that they want to be a running team. Brian Schottenheimer, the joke is that he's just known uh, as a running offensive coordinator. And last year, the pass to run ratio for the Seattle Seahawks was actually the lowest or the most heavily uh, run-focused in the entire NFL. Uh, so I think we're just going to see a lot of the same uh, out of that offense. I do think that that's going to tick up a little bit. Uh, Brian Schottenheimer offenses are usually in the 20s uh, in terms of their pass-to-run ratio. So being dead last is kind of a little bit of a departure from the norm for them. But uh, I, I just if he's going to be the, the starting back and he's going to get all of that volume, I don't think that uh, you can pass him up. I love Chris Carson here, uh, Eitan. That's a great pick. Um, I like a lot more, though, the the pick that was two after you, uh, Damian Williams at the 5.8. Now, you, you would go Chris Carson over Damian Williams every time at this point? I would, and that's just because as much as I like Damian Williams, as much as I love that Chiefs landing spot in terms of what that RB is going to do, I really don't know what – that RB or who that RB is going to be uh, in Kansas city. They can easily spend third, fourth round draft pick on a guy. There's so many guys in free agency they can go after. They, they do have problems defensively 
uh, that they need to solve first, but they had problems defensively last year, and they signed Sammy Watkins. So who the hell knows what's going on in Kansas City when it comes to what they're going to do on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Chris Carson, he already has his competition on the team. Sure, Mike Davis is gone, but Rashad Penny was drafted in the first round and is still just sitting after him. So uh, he's not going to have another guy come in and, and be stiff competition for him because they've already invested so many resources in uh, bringing Rashad Penny aboard. So uh, of the two, I would just think that uh, Chris Carson's job security is a little bit more solidified than Damian Williams's is. But Damian Williams' ceiling, of course, if he is the guy at the end of it all in Kansas City, and this is why I like doing these drafts a little bit later, uh, is, is definitely higher than Chris Carson. Yeah, so if we could just pretend that Damian Williams was going to be the number one option on the Chiefs, I think it's a no-brainer that it's Damian Williams. And I think that even he, because he was picked at the 5.8 here in the startup dynasty, he'd probably get picked in the fourth round. So I think we're going to know a lot more after the draft if the Chiefs pick a running back in the second round then there's definitely a question. Okay, so he's probably going to be the guy. Whoever they pick in the second round, probably going to be the guy. But if they get a running back in, like, the fourth round, I'm, you know, less optimistic about that. I think it would be Damian Williams' uh, job to lose at that point. And I think they are going to draft somebody. But whatever round that is, that's when we'll know uh, what's going to happen with Damian Williams. Um, Tevin Coleman and Kareem Hunt. Uh, Royce Freeman, Devontae Freeman, they all are off the board. All players that I would consider at this spot, the 6.8. Uh, Eitan, you're at the 6.7. It's your pick. Yeah, Baker Baker Mayfield went off the board too. He was somebody that I was going to be targeting. Uh, I think at the turn here with my second pick, I'm probably going to take a quarterback. Uh, somebody that I think has a lot of upside, but we'll see. It's, it's up to Eitan right now. It's his pick. Eric Ebron, I like it. I, I, I love that. I think that's – the best, uh, the best tight end available for sure um, at the 6.7. Definitely going to get slim pickings at some point here. Eric Ebron was a great pick, Aton. I had to do it. I mean, I, I've loved Eric Ebron for a long time. Uh, I'm a Bronco fan. Two years ago, I traded Demarius Thomas. Before Demarius Thomas started to fall off for Eric Ebron, everybody laughed at me. And I kind of had to sit and and take it for a while because Eric Ebron was definitely not providing value. But right. the thing that people too often forget is all of these different positions have different apex ages and different ages where these guys tend to break out. Wide receivers, as you know, the adage is you know, two to three years it takes them to, to really solidify themselves as an NFL caliber player. Uh, running backs tend to kind of flash the earliest because they usually have their peak seasons in the first three seasons of their career. Uh, but tight ends, we just talked about, 28 is about the – um, the age that you, you really get those prime seasons from your tight ends anyway. So Eric Ebron at 25 years old, uh, just like George Kittle, is another one of those guys that, hey, this could just be the beginning for Eric Ebron. Say what you want about Jack Doyle. Um, on that team, the, the, the guy in the red zone that they want to get the ball to is Eric Ebron. Uh, even if they spend money getting a wide receiver – Who's that going to be? Tyrell Williams? You know, it's not going to be the same type of threat that, that Ebron possesses. So I, I think that he's safe at that spot. I did not mean – I didn't want to get Russell Wilson, but I guess I had to there. Um, well, I, I can just, always change it. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, if we're not Who too far. Want? Uh, I was going to get McKinnon, but, but James got him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll give you somebody else. <laughs> I don't want to take away his pick. Yeah, it's all McKinnon, good. McKinnon is a good, uh, good pick. Say, you, can get, you can keep Wilson there. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, McKinnon was a great pick there. Um, I was I was kind of contemplating it, 
So you took you took Wilson, then we go Mark Ingram, and then Jarek McKinnon at six ten. I think that that's a good value. Somebody that might be forgotten about a little bit this year uh, when it comes to redraft more so than dynasty, uh, but definitely a great pick in either one at that at that round. Uh, and then that brings it up to me. Hunter Henry goes at six eleven. I have the six twelve. Uh, I was really thinking about Jarek McKinnon, but I'm going to go with somebody a little bit further down here on the same team though. Uh, I'm going to take Jimmy Garoppolo. Nice. I have him. I have him paired now with uh, George Kittle and Antonio Brown wants to go play in San Francisco. If I had all three of those guys on the same team, I would absolutely be loving that stack for a whole season for many seasons. Uh, that would be really nice to have. Uh, I'm kind of in this weird spot where I don't really know what I want to do, but I think I'm going to go ahead and take Sammy Watkins. I think I have to have a piece of the Kansas City Chiefs offense. If you don't have a piece of that, you're probably going to have a hard time winning your league if you don't have at least one of those pieces. And Sammy Watkins is still really young. He's got some good volume there. Uh, If he can just stay healthy, I think he can really help me win a league. Yeah, it's definitely nice to have a piece of the offense for sure. Yeah, I, I definitely would not have drafted Russell Wilson there, but at least my QB situation is, uh, is, is rectified. I probably would have waited for a Trubisky or a Winston. I would have probably felt much better about that. Christian Kirk, 7.2. Yeah, that's a great pick. Uh, the wide receiver won for the foreseeable future um, after Larry Fitzgerald retires for the Cardinals. Yeah, so you know the Cardinals could do anything with uh with their the roster as of right now. Obviously, it's Larry Fitzgerald for at least one more season. It would be, you know, who knows? He could go for maybe two more, but I don't know if he's going to go past two more seasons. And then Christian Kirk is going to be the perceived uh, wide receiver one after that. So I do like Christian Kirk at the seven point two and Joku off the board after that. Will Fuller, I love that pick. Yeah, going Tyler Boyd here. Um, AJ Green obviously is the number one. Uh, for this team, but Boyd showed me enough this year. Uh, he's a slot guy. He can get a lot of volume. Um, I feel good with a guy like Tyler Boyd on my team who can be, you know, my third receiver at this point. Dude, Devontae Freeman in the sixth round. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to try to do that some this year, I think. Well, in redraft, yeah, I think he's going to be around there, like maybe fifth or sixth round. I, I, I love Devontae Freeman you know, as a football player, I think that if he's going later than the fourth round in redraft leagues, I think you got to get Devontae Freeman on your team uh, at that value. In the sixth round in a dynasty league, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if he stays, stays healthy, and like I said, we don't know what's going on with Tevin Coleman. You know, he might be the only running back there. Yeah, he's going to be by himself with like Edo Smith. Um, <laughs> yeah, Edo Smith will still vulture all the touchdowns, but. Yeah, you know, I think Devontae is still going to have some juice in him. There's, gonna, there's a few uh, running backs that are in free agency. One guy that would really complement this team well is TJ Yeldon. If the Falcons got TJ Yeldon with Dirk Cutter coming back, then Yeldon just steps right into that Tevin Coleman role. For sure. Yeah, yeah easily. Oh, your boy Gusecki off the board. Mike Gusecki at the 8.1. Um, you know, you got to like that. He obviously didn't show much of anything uh, in his rookie season. Uh, but I, you know, the, the, the physical traits are there. Uh, the pedigree, the college pedigree is there for Mike Gusecki. Uh, how are you feeling about that 8.1 pick? And now this is, you, you know, this guy who just picked at the 7.12 just got OJ Howard and then Gusecki. How are you feeling about that back-to-back tight end pick? 
I don't know if I would have went back-to-back tight ends yet without having a quarterback because now he's going to be pushed into the ninth round at the end of the ninth round before uh, even really getting a chance at a quarterback. But uh, I'm not going to diss that taking the quarterback late strategy. Definitely, I like Gusecki. And, you know, the Dolphins are in the market for a quarterback at the draft. If they could try to get Kyler Murray, I really love having Gusecki this year. I'm actually really upset for some reason while I was logged out. Uh, this stupid computer took Doug Baldwin for me, and I just saw Tyler Lockett go off the board. And 100% of the time, I would definitely go Tyler Lockett of over course. Doug Baldwin. Uh, so I don't necessarily <laughs> know what happened there. But uh, I guess, you know, the flaws of, of modern society, we, we have technology. <laughs> and when it fails you, it fails you, and you end up with Doug Baldwin. Anyway, um, at this point, uh, I think it's it's finally it's time to stop the slander. Uh, you got to pick Cam Newton. Uh, stop the slander. <laughs> what his so- shoulder surgery uh, is, he's never really missed since the beginning amount of games his entire NFL career. Uh, apparently there's good news about his shoulder surgery. He got it done right after the season. So I think Cam Newton is going to be uh, just fine at least maybe four or five games into uh, next year. So I think that uh, that's just too much value to pass up at that point because he still has the capability of being a top three QB. I love that. Um, Blake, I am going to take – so I think I can wait on the guy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try something here. I'm, I, I get the guy right now, but I think I can get him in the next round. So I'm going to try to double up here. And I am going to get Jordan Howard. So let me get Jordan Howard at the 8.8, which, okay. I think, I, I, which I'm happy about there because, you know, getting a piece of this Bears offense um, is nice. And Jordan Howard had a decent year. You're not happy with Jordan Howard because you drafted him in the second round. But he had an all right year uh, when it's all said and done. At the 8.8, Jordan Howard is really good value. I love it. I think that's a great pick. Uh, you know, I like the Cam Newton pick right before it, too. Um, you know, so I, I think both of those guys have really good value for the middle of the eighth round. Give me that all day. Marvin Jones off the board at 8.9. Tough to say what's going to happen with Marvin Jones right now. I think that if, you know, he plays a full 16 game uh, slate. Uh, he's obviously going to be fighting with Kenny Galladay for targets, but Golden Tate isn't there anymore, so he can still put up the production. And we've seen Marvin Jones get double-digit touchdowns before. Um, you know, I, I think what's going on right now in Detroit is they're going to not be the pass-happy offense like they have been. They're going to get more into running the ball um, as we see them progress in this uh, new system. So it's going to be tough to see what happens with Marvin Jones. I, I do like his upside with uh, touchdowns. Um, at the 8.9, it's a solid pick. How about 8.10? You get Michael Gallup. Yeah. No, that's, that's like solid. That? That's solid. That's a solid pick. All right. Then it comes back to me at the 8.12. You know, I, I'm looking at some of these guys. There's a couple of these quarterbacks are down in here, some of these older quarterbacks. Um, and then there's some running backs in here. Interesting one, C.J. Anderson at 105. I was really big on him last year. Uh, I don't know what's going to go on, though, with him this season. I think people are going to reach for him a little bit more uh, than I would like. I'm going to draft Julian Edelman. Mm. Uh, being in a PPR league like this is, I think you've got to have somebody that's going to uh, that's going to get guaranteed receptions. You know, and what he did at the end of this season even with Brady not playing elite, uh, I really liked what I saw. So I'm definitely going to pick him going into next season. I really like that. Uh, I think he's got a lot of upside. 
Uh, so then I get another pick here, and there's several interesting guys down here that you know kind of stand out to me, but I don't know how much I want them. Uh, got Chris Thompson. Uh, he could be a guy that's going to get a lot of receptions. You got LaShawn McCoy here. Gus Edwards is somebody who made a splash at the end of the season. I don't know if he's the real deal or not. Uh, I'm kind of worried about him. There's Alex Collins. You know, which one of those guys is really going to stand out? Traquan Smith in New Orleans. Carlos Hyde in Jacksonville. So there's a lot of good names down here. Uh, it's kind of tough to decide where to go. Man, uh Kiki Kuti at Houston, I think, is where I'm going to have to go. Hmm. Uh, he's young and he's got a bright future. I hope he can just stay healthy and, you know, become the pivotal part of that offense. I don't know how long it'll be until he's that number one guy, but they did cut Demarius Thomas, so you're not going to have to worry about him this year. Uh, it's basically just going to be DeAndre Hopkins and maybe Will Fuller, but I think Kuti can take a step above Will Fuller. No, that's a great pick, uh, Blake. You know, you go Julian Edelman, who's obviously 32, um, probably has a couple more years left um, with Tom Brady. So I think you're solid there uh, for, you know, for two to four years uh, with Julian Edelman, because especially going into next year, uh, who else is left on this squad? You know, there's a lot of uh, unrestricted free agents on this uh Patriots offense. We got Cordell Patterson is a free agent. Chris Hogan, uh, Philip Dorsett, they're all free agents. Um, and Gronk think, might retire. Exactly. So who's going to be standing is going to be Julian Edelman. You know it. And then you combo that right there on the turn with Kiki Cutie, who, you know, just today the Texans released Demarius Thomas, um, which we haven't even talked about. So Will Fuller, we know he can't stay on the field. We know he has hamstring issues. Kiki Kuti is a solid pick here uh, in a dynasty startup at the 9.1. I love that. And I think that that's, you know, probably a little uh, further down than he should be. I, I think he could even go in the eighth round or potentially end of the seventh. So back to me here. I'm going to get the guy that I wanted to get earlier, which is Gus Edwards. Um, Alex Collins is a free agent. I think he's restricted. Um, I don't think that he's going to stay with the Ravens this year. So it's going to be Gus Edwards and it's going to be Kenneth Dixon. I like me some Gus Edwards moving forward. I love that Gus Edwards pick. Uh, I don't think I was man enough to take it. I liked my other options with my two wide receivers being a little bit safer, but you know, the way that offense is going for the Ravens, Gus Edwards could have a huge season. And in the ninth round, I'm not too worried about it because he's going to be your third. Uh, and in your case, fourth running back. So, you know, if he doesn't have a huge year, oh, well, you play him on your bye weeks. Well, it takes a big man to admit that he's not man enough, okay? So don't ever forget that. Eitan, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're on the board here at, uh, in the ninth round, and then we're going to take this into the tenth round, and we'll finish it up, and then we'll do like a little quick recap. Uh, we'll, we'll take this until the tenth round with Blake's pick at the 10.12. It was just sniped. It hurts. Mm. So, Ouchie. Gut shot. <clears throat> I was going to get Gus Edwards. I'm not even sure what to do with my life now. I have to reevaluate everything. <laughs> um, I think at this point, uh, you have to go D.D. Westbrook for me. Love it. And uh, again, uh, opportunity. Opportunity trumps all for me. Um, D.D. Westbrook actually, though, also has the talent. I mean, he was the best wide receiver in his draft class, at least in college. He received mm. the award for the best wide receiver. Um, when he was drafted. Now there were off-field issues, which is why that he fell in the draft. Um, but this last season really showed the disparity between him and 
all the other guys on that Jaguars offense. He plays that slot role, which is valuable uh, in the new age NFL because uh, your targets are less contested. You're not really pressed at the line and you're able to get those free releases. So he was able to have uh, that. And I mean, can the situation get worse? Uh, I really don't know how it gets worse. Uh, They're going to get a new quarterback. That quarterback is going to be better than Blake Bortles because Every quarterback is better than Blake Bortles. So, uh, Not Nathan Peterman. <laughs> except for maybe Nathan Peterman. Hopefully they don't get Nathan Peterman. If they do, Jaguars fans, just start burning your jerseys now. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he's got prime opportunity. He doesn't have much competition on the depth chart. Uh, Dante Moncrief is leaving. They paid him nine-point-something million dollars. So they're not bringing him back. Um, even if they draft a wide receiver, we just talked about how long it takes wide receivers to acclimate to the NFL. So, I think uh, D.D. Westbrook is, is a definite uh, gr- good investment for the, for the next uh, few years, the foreseeable future. I love that, Eitan. And I think that's, you know, we actually talked about this on, on your pod, on the Dynasty Diagnostic. Uh, you know, D.D., they treat him as if he's the wide receiver one. Because, right, like we look at the, the Jaguars receivers, and it seems just like, you know, a cluster of, you know, decent receivers. But D.D. is the guy who gets the snaps and he gets the targets. Um, you know, we're going to see Dante Moncrief moving forward um, with another team because he's a free agent. I don't think he's going to stay. It would surprise me if they re-sign him. Uh, they signed him on that one-year uh, one 10-mil uh, deal. I don't think he's going to stay. So, Didi, for the foreseeable future, he's going to have some opportunity there in Jacksonville. We don't know who's going to be throwing him the ball, though. <laughs> and I think uh, that that's actually a good thing <laughs> because we know it's probably not going to be Blake Bortles or Cody Kessler. So, it can only go up from there. How about this? Kalen Balaj. At the corner, 10.1. That's a great pick. Like it's that. A- right after uh, he took uh, Ben Roethlisberger and then comes back with him. Balaj is his fourth running back. Uh, his team's looking pretty solid. I like that pick. He's got some good upside there. Well, we know it's going to be Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balaj, but we don't know what order that's going to go in as far as the pecking order. It could be Balaj over Kenyon Drake. The way that they- Either way, I think he's safe. Uh, he's got that big play potential. I-, I think he's safe either way. Yeah. All right, so uh, now we're going to take another guy that we spoke about on the pod as well, uh, Quincy Inunua. So uh, does everyone remember what happened when Adam Gase was in Miami and when Jarvis Landry was in Miami? Uh, Jarvis Landry was that team's wide receiver one for all intents and purposes at the slot position, Uh, and he operated as an excellent wide receiver. I mean, he caught everything thrown to him. Now they were thrown two yards past the line of scrimmage, but in the way that we score PPR fantasy football or even half-point half PPR fantasy football, a catch is a catch is a catch. Um, I think we're going to see the same from Quincy Inunua uh, this year because he plays that slot role in New York. And uh, Adam Gase is back uh, holding the reins for that team. Um, in the beginning of the year last year, we actually saw Quincy Inunua uh, have those heavily targeted games. Uh, in the first few games of the season, it seemed to work out well for Sam Darnold. Those were actually some of Sam Darnold's best games. I don't know if you guys remember the game against Detroit. So I really do think that Quincy Inouye, again, if he can stay healthy, which has always been the issue with him, uh, the fact that uh, New York Jets just signed him uh, to a new contract. It was $30-something million, I believe, so it's it's a pretty hefty contract in, in terms of uh, just showing their level of investment in him. Uh, he's not even going to be able to be cut for any savings until after uh, the 2020 season. So they're, they're, they're kind of showing their cards in terms of what they think about 
uh, Quincy Inunua, and they made sure to get his deal done before they even uh, got Roby Anderson's deal done. So uh, I do think that he's the guy to own in New York. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, also get somebody in free agency and if they spend a draft pick at that position. But again, because Quincy Noon was a slot receiver, uh, I think he has that role pretty, pretty well locked up. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you completely. I think the role is safe, um, you know, and you're kind of doing back-to-back there with D.D. and Quincy, um, two guys that do have a perceived safe role in their offenses, um, so can't hate that. I went with Antonio Callaway, of course, just going upside here. Um, there were guys on the board like Traquan Smith, John Ross, um, and then Deshaun Hamilton, who I was considering. Uh, it really would come down to Deshaun and uh, Antonio Callaway. What I saw of Antonio Callaway this year was a lot of opportunity. And I think that that's the confidence that the Browns have instilled in him. You know, he made some mistakes, he made some drops, but he had some boom games. We saw the speed and we also saw him work in the red zone, which surprised me that how good he was in the red zone. I like Antonio Callaway moving forward. I love him in the dynasty startup having him on my team. Yeah, there's some interesting guys down here as I'm coming up to my pick now. Uh, I need a running back, and there's some interesting guys that you can get late in these drafts, especially when I'm looking, you know, dynasty startup. Guys like Josh Adams, who I'm not really interested in, but could be a good pick. Uh, Latavius Murray, who is in a good position to get uh, some snaps if something would happen. Uh, to Dalvin Cook, there's Jalen Richard in Oakland. We don't know. If somebody's going to step into that offense. Uh, Spencer Ware is also in a good spot. You know, Adrian Peterson is an older player. Sometimes you can take an older guy when you're doing one of these startups and then hope to replace them soon. Uh, what do you think of that strategy, Aton? Uh Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just about churning your roster. Uh, so as long as you're able to – get talent on your team, regardless of the age of that talent, as long as you're able to replace that production, uh, you're golden. So the best case scenario actually is to get uh, an older guy who has a few years left, who's still producing at a high level uh, for those few years, while you then draft a rookie, maybe two to three years before he falls off to kind of take that spot. So I'm 100% in agreement with you for that. I think that's, that's perfect uh, roster construction. I love it. Uh, Xavier, our guy Xavier Wagner, is requested us going an extra round here because he didn't draft a tight end because for some reason he drafted (laughs) three quarterbacks. Um, So so we have some overtime here. We got some extra innings, if you will. Uh, We're going to go one more round. Uh, C.J. Anderson's off the board at the 11.2 after you just went Chris Thompson, Blake. I like C.J. Anderson at the 11.2. I think that's, you know, you know, at the 11th round, obviously, you know, you, you can kind of go for some flyers. You know, what if Todd Gurley just ain't right? What if, uh, you know, then C.J. Anderson turns out to be a great pick. I don't know if he's even going to be a Ram next year, but C.J. Anderson is solid right now. So Yeah, I was surprised nobody jumped for C.J. Anderson earlier than they did, uh, but it's definitely a good pick. I went with Elijah McGuire and Chris Thompson just for the fact that I think they both have uh, solid roles that are known in their offenses. Uh, and with the PPR, I really liked Chris Thompson. I love it. Okay, so we're waiting on this next pick here. Okay, Emmanuel Sanders off the board, Duke Johnson off the board. Those are throwaways for me. Um, I'm glad that other people picked them. 
um, because I'm just not looking at them at, in dynasty drafts at all. Um, I'm going to go TJ Yeldon here, uh, Blake. And TJ Yeldon is actually my favorite person to draft right now uh, in these dynasty startups towards the end of drafts because he's a free agent. And like we were kind of talking off the air, what if TJ Yeldon lands in a spot like uh, the Atlanta Falcons and he's paired up with Devontae Freeman, now with Dirk Cutter back, he steps right into that uh, Tevin Coleman role. So it's kind of like, you know, a little fantasy here of like, what if with TJ Yeldon, if he lands in the right spot, I love him moving forward. Yeah, now's definitely the time to get him if you want him because I don't see his situation getting much worse. Uh, he was already behind guys in Jacksonville. So I don't see a situation where it could get much worse anyway. He's way down the board, isn't he? Yeah, I had to type him in. I don't know why he's so far down. Wow. I don't know why either. I, I think he's a great pick. Way too low, 949 or 941. Wow. Yeah, it would have taken me a while scrolling. All right, Aton, you're on the board here. All right. At this point, uh, I only have two running backs, so I'm kind of forced to grab a running back at this point. And uh, I love that. If somebody got Gus, then I'm going to go with uh, Dixon because uh, I think both of those guys have a chance to be the lead back in Baltimore just because of what we saw from Alex Collins last year. Uh, he kind of flashed late in the season, and they felt comfortable enough uh, to ride him again, even though that doesn't necessarily work out for them. So I don't see any reason why uh, Baltimore would, would go out and add to that position as well. Uh, I think their bigger need is that wide receiver. So um, I think one of those two guys, either Gus Edwards or Kenneth Dixon, is going to be the back-to-own in Baltimore. And the back-to-own in Baltimore has been a valued position uh, for a long time, even with guys like Justin Forsett, if you remember that, a few years ago. Sure. Uh, most definitely, yeah. And it, it's the, the jury's still out. Uh, who's going to be the majority uh, shareholder there with uh, Dixon or Edwards? Um, so you very well might have gotten the better value there, 100%. Um, and both guys could easily be va- just as valuable as each other. I think that Dixon gives you an upside in any sort of PPR. I think he's going to be the pass catcher of the two. It's going to be interesting because I think Alex Collins is gone. I think it's going to be Gus Edwards, uh, Kenneth Dixon, and I think they're going to keep Ty Montgomery. I think he's going to be the pass catching back for this team. Buck Allen is also a free agent. I think he's going to be uh, he's going to move on as well. So I, I think because they just got Ty Montgomery that they're going to want to keep him. I'm not sure how that's going to work, though. It could be Buck Allen. All right, so Coach X gets his tight end, Austin Hooper, and we are officially done with this draft. We did 11 rounds. Aton, read back your team. We're going to read back our teams here. Sure. Uh, for my squad, I went uh, CMC in the first, got Amari Cooper. After that, A.J. Green, uh, Cooper Cup, Chris Carson, Eric Ebron, Doug Baldwin, Cam Newton, uh, D.D. Westbrook, Quincy Inunua, and Kenneth Dixon. Now, you mentioned that you only drafted, uh, well, three running backs now with Kenneth Dixon as your most recent. Was that on purpose, or was you know the way the draft kind of felt to you, you just didn't like the running backs at your pick? Yeah, for me, um, as long as I have two receivers at running back, I'm one of those guys that is a lot more comfortable building my running back depth through the draft uh, than I am actually drafting running backs in startups. Uh, you got to get that top-line guy just because if you don't really have one of those top six, seven backs, you're just not going to be able to compete no matter what you do. Uh, But after that, I really do believe that it's a sunk cost uh, getting a running back just because there's so much change at that position year over year. Uh, When you're getting a young wide receiver, when you're getting established wide receiver like an A.J. Green, um, you're getting assured production uh, at that position at a, uh, a point that's 
it's harder to replace because like we already mentioned, it takes uh, wide receivers a few years to kind of get themselves ready for the NFL after being drafted, unless their name is Juju Smith-Schuster or Cooper Cup. So. Yeah, no, it's a great point. Um, I, I definitely uh, like that strategy a lot. Uh, you're completely right. You can't go zero RB. That's not a thing uh, in Dynasty startups. Uh, you're going to be destroyed if you wait until the fourth round to draft a running back. Um, so that's what you did there. You drafted a running back with your first, and then you went three straight receivers. I love that strategy. Blake, why don't you read off your team? Yeah, so I went with Saquon Barkley with the very first overall pick, Antonio Brown, George Kittle, Tariq Cohen, Calvin Ridley, Jimmy Garoppolo, Sammy Watkins, Julian Edelman, Kiki Kuti, Elijah McGuire, and Chris Thompson. Um, I think if if this can, comes back, you know, obviously we only did 11 rounds. When this comes back to the turn, I would probably get a second quarterback, uh, and I would look to increase my depth of the running backs that I have. I'm really happy that I got Saquon, but I'm not – I'm not in love with the depth I have. Elijah McGuire and Chris Thompson being my third and fourth running backs doesn't make me very happy. But I have five very solid wide receivers and a very solid tight end up top. So, you know, I think basically I would just be looking to add that running back depth a little bit later, which I don't necessarily recommend doing, trying to get that too late in the drafts. I think I missed out by uh, a round or two on some of those guys like Devontae Freeman, James White, uh, uh, some of those guys in that mid-tier running back range, I missed out on some of those guys, which disappointed me a little bit. But otherwise, I really like my team. So at the 3.1, you went George Kittle uh, because I, I went Travis Kelsey at 2.8. We were talking about Kittle. So let's say that you went Sony Michelle there, right, at the 3.1, and then mm. you were able to grab Eric Ebron a little bit later. Would you like your team better or not as not as much? Yeah. I like Kittle a little more than Ebron. Um, I really do like Ebron a lot, but I think that definitely would be a little bit better team having Michelle there. I think your your best uh, stretch of the draft here was actually that's, that six, sixth round to the ninth round because Garoppolo is a strong pick, I think, at the 6-12. Uh, then you go Sammy Watkins, who you, know, you, get, you can justify that as getting a piece of this offense, the Chiefs offense. You're going to get Julian Edelman as, you know, you know that kind of production for the next couple of years. Um, that's not going away um, for, for the foreseeable future for the next two years, I say at least. You're getting that. And then you get Kiki Kuti at the 9.1, who I think is a great pick. Um, so I think that was like your best stretch right there. You're strong in the wide receiver. Yeah, definitely the running backs a little, you know, lackluster there. But Elijah McGuire, look, he's He's the running back one right now for the Jets. I think they're going to sign somebody, but as of right now, Elijah McGuire uh, has, you know, a path to touches. At the 1.5, I went Zeke. I followed that with Travis Kelsey. Then Le'Veon Bell was there in the third round. I went uh, Jarvis Landry as my first receiver. So I'm definitely uh, iffy on my receivers. Uh, it's unusual. I don't usually draft that way, uh, but I didn't draft a receiver until the fourth round. Followed that with Allen Robinson. I love that pick. Russell Wilson, I really didn't mean to pick that, but I'm okay with having a quarterback there in the sixth round where, uh, you know, the quarterbacks are going to start falling off. I probably would have waited uh, until like the eighth or ninth round for a quarterback, but I get Russell Wilson. I get Tyler Boyd, uh, Jordan Howard, Gus Edwards, Antonio Callaway, and then TJ Yeldon. So I'm really liking my team. I got a lot of guys that I, you know, I, I am targeting in these startups. So I'm pretty happy with that. 
any quick, uh, you know, like what was like a really good value pick in this draft that you guys see that you're like, oh yeah, he went way too, way too low. Josh Allen at the 12.5. Wow. Yeah. There you go. If you look at all the quarterbacks that went ahead, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, he was at least the 20th quarterback picked. Mm-hmm. It's really crazy to think of how young he is, uh, how quickly he amassed some points there at the end of the season this year. Uh, definitely has a lot of upside if the Bills are able to give him some receivers and get, give him that solid offensive line. Uh, Josh Allen could be a really great pick there. I mean, I don't know if I disagree with that being um, a, a, a good pick at that point or, you know, him going too low, I would probably say maybe that's about right for him just because Blake Bortles kind of did the same thing that Josh Allen did, if you remember. I mean, he was a rushing quarterback. Um, he was actually a much more polished passer, uh, passer than Josh Allen his first few uh, seasons in the league, and it all fell apart because of what we kind of always knew about Blake Bortles was – wasn't an accurate quarterback and he started to turn the ball over. If you turn the ball over enough in the NFL, you're going to get benched. You know, it's really difficult to get benched as a decent to halfway mediocre starting quarterback in the league. I mean, just ask Andy Dalton, but if there's a path to the bench, it is turning the ball over. So I think you need to be really, really careful uh, with all the hype surrounding guys like Josh Allen, guys with fumble issues like Lamar Jackson, of course, my co-host on the Dynasty Diagnostic, uh, Sam Lane, St- uh, FF Stompy would completely disagree with me uh, for that. But uh, you have to really kind of know what you're getting with uh, with these quarterbacks who who make their hay with their legs because at the end of the day, it's it's fun for a while, but if you can't sit in the pocket and hit a target – consistently it's not going to work out for you at the quarterback position over the long run, no matter, no matter how talented you are. Yeah. Me personally, I, I guess this is biased, but uh, that 8.8 Jordan Howard uh, pick that I got, I, I think that that um, was great value. That's, you know, for my picks personally, I think that was the best value I got is Jordan Howard. Uh, you know, he was an RB two this year. He's 24 years old. Um, he turns 25 in November. So Jordan Howard at the 8.8, um, I think that's a steal. I don't see him like really going, you know, much lower than that at, in any sort of draft. So Jordan Howard at 8.8 for me was great value. What do you guys think of Dante Pettis at 5.12? Is that too high? Or, because I love Pettis, but I, I just didn't think he'd go that high. I love him, but that seems like a bit of a stretch to me. I'm in 100% agreement with both of you guys. Um, and again, <laughs> this this would be – uh, thrown back at me on, on the other show that I do. But uh, Dante Pettis, he's, if not, like the number one candidate in the league to, to kind of get his job taken away. I mean, he has to be close to that high spot. Antonio Brown has already uh, come out and said that he wanted to be traded. Jerry Rice uh, said that uh, he wants to go to San Francisco. Antonio Brown has posted uh, images of himself in a San Francisco jersey. Even if Antonio Brown doesn't go there, uh, you need to – or you have to imagine that that team is going to bring in uh, one of the big-name rookies at wideout anyway. So I love Dante Pettis. I really do. But he profiles as a wide receiver, two. Currently, he's playing a wide receiver, one. And even if he ends up being a wide receiver, two, he's not the number one target on that team. That honor belongs to George Kittle. So going in the fifth round, I think that's a bridge a little too far for me. Most definitely, yeah. I think I got him in the 11th round. 
a few weeks ago uh, in a dynasty startup. So when you look at it like that, yeah, 5.12, just a little too high. Um, I think this this guy was a little overzealous because, you know, he gets Dante Pez at 5.12 and then James Washington at 6.1. Um, both of those guys you can get in double-digit rounds at this point. Hey, Tom, thanks for coming on the show, man. Um, anytime we do any dynasty stuff, uh, you're always going to be in our thoughts as far as coming on the show. What, what can the folks expect from you uh, coming up here? I got a few things. I got a few things I'm working on. Um, I'm currently uh, in discussions to uh, potentially expand my role at a couple of the sites that I do work at. Um, currently I'm at Fantrax. I'm also at Fantasy Pros. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of see where all of that goes. But uh, I do the Dino Diagnostic Podcast, Dynasty Diagnostic Podcast. If you haven't heard, please make sure to uh, go ahead and listen to me and, and Sam Lane uh, kind of chop it up about uh, Dynasty rosters on that show. And then you can actually also contact me if you'd like one of the uh, Dynasty diagnostic reports that I do. And again, you can find all of this on my feed uh, if you follow the FF underscore WonderKid handle on Twitter. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on, bud. Follow our Twitter accounts, myself at FFProfessorSD3. Blake at Blake Sullivan FF. Uh, be on the lookout on Fantrax HQ for my free agent series, just going over all of the free agents um, and how they can be affected uh, in fantasy football, depending on what team that they go to. Um, on behalf of Blake Sullivan, my name is Stephen Taroni. This has been the Hot Take Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Hot Take Podcast. Check out Fantrax HQ and Rotoballer for your fantasy sports news and analysis. All the guys on Twitter at Steven underscore Taroni and at Blake Sullivan FF. See ya!